Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Gift Hotline. Joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's a great week right now. There's a lot of interesting things going around right now. That's right. Uh, let's start here uh, before we uh, talk about USC. Let's start with the Chargers. Um, you know, Brandon Staley is still the uh, head coach of this team. I think we, we've talked about this before, that they're probably not going to make a uh, move during the season. That being said, uh, you know, they've, they've lost three straight games. They've lost five of seven or something like that. I mean, the season seems to be pretty much like a wrap, unfortunately. Fredo, what did you see in the Baltimore game? And, and was it just a, a continuation of things with this team where, again, it's a very close game, one score, one possession game in the fourth quarter, but they cannot find a way to close it out. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, the, the key word is just inconsistency. I mean, on both sides of the ball, you you look at how great a defense um, that the Chargers played against a very good, high-talented offense that the Ravens have, you know, created this year. And, you know, holding them to 13 points through most of the game until allowing the last uh, late touchdown in the in uh, late in the fourth quarter. But they did the job. The defense did the job. They were able to maintain Lamar Jackson uh, to a limited amount of points. I thought this was going to be a blowout. I thought this was might be a 40 to, you know, 17 type of game. But it, it wasn't. But when you look at the offense, I mean, it's, it's critical when you when you turn over the ball four times in the game and, you know, one of them by Keenan Allen, another by Eckler. And it just seems like this offense and defense, one one day the offense shows up, the other day the defense shows up. And it's just so so inconsistent that it, it's 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 very sad to see that Brandon Staley's maybe uh, maybe had lost the locker room. I don't know. It, it seems like you know some players just show up when they want um, and perform um, on certain games, and it's just it's ridiculous and what's going on right now in that Charger uh, town right now because it's so disappointing having a four and seven season right now uh, with the high with the amount of talent that they got on that groups on the offense and on the defense. You, you if, if I'm the owner, if I'm Dean Spanos, I, I I don't know why I still have him hired as the head coach right now for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, touch on that. I think that the two coaching changes that we've seen so far this season, Josh McDaniels with the Raiders and then Frank Wright with the Panthers, both of those moves were made because the, the belief was that, that that both of those coaches had lost the locker room, at least publicly. Um, we've not seen players come out and point fingers and criticize and blame 
Brendan Staley. That's not happened publicly. I don't know whether that's happening privately behind closed doors in the locker room. Um, but yeah, to your point, if he's lost the locker room, then I think that they do have to move on. Um, at this point, I'm not sure what more you need to see if you're the Spanoses or if you're Tom Telesco. Um, what what would you do if you were Tom Telesco, if you were the GM of this team? Would you give Kellen Moore a few games and see what he has? What would you do if you were the GM uh, of the team? I mean, at this point, if I'm Telesco, I know that my job is on the line right now. I mean, there has to be something that he can do. And that's the only thing he really can do right now is having Kellen Moore step in for the last final six games, see if there can be some sort of twist that can be twist around here with this team because you look at what happened with McDaniels and you look at what Anto um, Antonio has brought to that Raider team that kind of kind of flipped it over. You know, they they have some momentum right now. Um, and that's something that the Chargers can really use. And you can kind of now level and see, okay, can we use Kellen Moore for next season and for the future of this team? Or do we need to go out and hire a head coach and maybe keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator moving forward? But I mean, it, it's it's um it's something that Telesco needs to go ahead and finally make a move like that in the middle of the season. Telesco has been here uh, part of this team for over a decade now. And for this team underachieving every single year. I mean, you look at Staley's first two years, you look at that Raider loss at the end of the season in overtime, and you look at the loss last year in Jacksonville, those two losses really, you know, if they would have won those two games, th this Charger uh, team and organization might be flying with some different type of momentum. But you look at the way the two seasons have ended, you look at where you're standing at right now at four and seven. I mean, entering the year, the Chargers were fifth favorite uh, to win the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. they were fifth and sixth right there. They were, at the, they were on the top of the line. But you look at a four and seven right now, Telesco, if Telesco wants to save his job right now, because I can clearly see a picture where in about a month from now, both of those two guys might not be part of this team anymore uh, moving forward. And, you know, Bill Belichick, again, his name is surrounding there. He does both. He, he He's a GM and the head coach over there in New England. Uh, and, you know, that's something that can maybe be brought over over here. But right now, that, that would be the only move they can really do to try to see if, you know, because there's still technically a chance for them to make the playoffs, which it's highly unlikely for that to happen. But there can be something that can be saved around this team right now. What are some of the uh, coaching candidates that you're looking at for the uh, Chargers? Uh, again, I think there's going to be a lot of talk this week as they head to New England to play the Patriots. Bill Belichick has been rumored to be a, a potential candidate. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, of course, as well. Big game for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, is there a coach out there, whether it's those two names or someone else, that you think would be the right fit for the Chargers? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there is. I, I do like, um, I, can't, I can't recall his name right now, but I do like the defensive coordinator uh, from the Vikings right now. Uh, he was the guy that was with Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, Flores. Flores, uh, Flores yeah. is, a good, is, is a good candidate, of course. This defense really needs to... Uh, we need to have a defensive type mindset because at the end of the day, defense wins championships, defense wins games. So you need, and we thought maybe, you know, Brandon Staley was that guy, but clearly he doesn't want to uh, give over the rights to continue calling plays. And that was another thing last week that you see the way he kind of, you know, took that, uh, took that uh, press conference and kind of talked about it. And, you know, when you have someone so, so 
his mind is just closed and just I'm doing this. Nobody else is doing this, but you need someone that can really turn things around. And as well, you know, one name that I did hear over the weekend uh, was Anthony Lynn's son, who is currently one of the coaches for UCLA as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a very good connection uh, with the Lynn family and the Spanos family. And, you know, I, I did ask uh, a fan during the game and I, and, you know, I asked him I'm like, well, I, all I kept hearing, Aaron is Staley this, Staley that. And I'm like, well, do you prefer Staley or do you prefer Anthony Lynn? Like, what what was it, you know? And they were like, man, we prefer Anthony Lynn 10 times more than Brandon Staley, um, the way he controls his team. And Anthony Lynn was a good coach. It just seems like, you know, uh, they needed some sort of change to coming into L.A. They gave him kind of the, the, starting, um, the starting job to go ahead and take this team to the next level. And he did something impressive with Justin Herbert in his rookie year. And, you know, I'm, I was very surprised he got let go. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to win your Angeles, you gotta win some games, and he just wasn't doing that towards this late of his time here in LA. But you know, it, it would be very, very surprising if they can go ahead and get a guy like Flores from the Vikings, or maybe go uh, uh, go towards college and then find another young coach. But this team does not need a young coach. This team needs someone that's going to come in here um, with with a good resume, and you really can't go anywhere else but Belichick or Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those are sort of the the, the the proven guys with Belichick, obviously, uh, you know, there's, there's right. some talk about how he is uh, performed as a coach without Tom Brady. At the end of the day, though, you know, one of the all-time great coaches, if not the best in terms of winning six Super Bowls, Harbaugh track record of turning programs around both collegiately and in the National Football League. When you look at San Francisco, the train wreck he took over there led them to the Super Bowl. So we'll we'll see what the, the Chargers do. The one knock on them, and we'll see if they go against the grain here is they have not historically paid big money to hire a head coach. That being said, they're in Los Angeles now. Right. They're opening up a new practice facility, you know, not far from the beach in El Segundo. They know they have to, uh, you know, swing for the fences. They know they need a home run hire. So, you know, while they have gone for the young, uh, you know, like assistant coach coordinator in the past a few hires, um, I think that they, they do need to hire an experienced head coach here. Um, switching gears, let's talk about uh, USC again. They are off this week in terms of the football team again. Uh, you know, tough season there, seven and five. Clearly, obviously, uh, did not qualify for the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. Washington and Oregon will be in that game. We will find out, though, this weekend which bowl USC will go to. There's been talk about them going to the um, Holiday Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the, uh, you know, the uh, Gronk Bowl here in Los Angeles. Uh, what do you think, uh, when you've looked at some of these projections, what's a good bowl for them? And again, I, I like the fact that they're going to play in this bowl game. It'll give them more time to practice. Hopefully the defensive coordinator will be in place by then. Uh, it, when you're looking at the bowl projections out there, is there a bowl game that you would like USC to go to? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think you, you go to the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, you play in Las Vegas, you play here in Los Angeles, of course, USC playing at SoFi State, I'm sure they can get the fans behind them for one last time, and uh, with this team they currently have right now, of course, you have some players entering the transfer portal, um, some players that are staying with the team right now, but uh, an Alley Bowl would be a perfect fit, but as well, the Alamo Bowl uh, was an option as well that's still floating around there, uh, but it's going to be very interesting to, just to see what 
uh, where they're going to be playing at, who they're going to be playing. And at the same time, um, again, you know, no, no response yet. I thought we would have some sort of answer from Caleb Williams, whether he's going to partake, he's going to go the other route. Uh, no answer just yet. Um, USC did send out a notice that uh, there are currently still practicing right now this week. Uh, there will be no media availability uh, this week. They did mention next week. They will, of course, um, have us come out there. But it's going to be very interesting to see where they stand um, later on this week once we get an announcement about that. What's your sense on Caleb? I think the longer it takes, and again, I've been of the mindset that there's no chance he comes back. But um, this wasn't a knee-jerk thing. He didn't say um, that he's going to go pro yet. Obviously, he didn't say he's going to come back yet. but. Maybe I'm crazy, but like the longer it takes, the more that I'm thinking he's actually giving this some genuine thought. What do you think are the like legitimate chances he comes back? I mean, honestly, I I I have a good feeling that you know there's a lot of the players that are returning right now. And I, I did see a post that Jamil Muhammad, who announced he will be returning uh, next season as well. Um, I, I believe Caleb commented something, something like, oh, "Okay, let's run it back," because all a lot of, all the players that are announcing they're all saying, "Let's run it back, let's run it back." Mm. So they're using this phrase of like, "Let's run it back, let's run it back." Like, okay, the only way you can really run it back is if you have your 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 captain, your leader out there, and your quarterback, and Caleb Williams. And I'm sure Caleb is pretty upset. I mean, he can be like, "Wow, how?" can we start six and zero end the season the way we did then uh didn't even get a chance to really compete late in the season because you, you see the last three games of the year were just kind of technically okay where are they going to land uh, but their hopes were completely gone and it, i'm i have a feeling that he wants to come back maybe finish his fourth year as well you know uh continue his his pro Progress in school, get his degree, and do all that. I'm sure that's something that's on his mind. Um, last night, he posted on his social media as he's watching the the Chicago Bears and the Green and the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm like, well, the Bears might have an opportunity to pick you up. Are you scouting here? Are you yeah. looking around? Uh, but I'm I'm pretty sure he is going to elect to go into the NFL. You look at the injury that happened uh, with certain players. You don't want to take that risk of maybe. Uh, finishing your career off so early on, but it, it, there is still a chance. There is a chance that he might return to USC. Uh, watching everyone say, saying the running back, I, I keep having a feeling sooner and later, we're going to get a surprising announcement that's going to shock everybody. What do you think about the USC hoops team? Again, Bronny James, as you've reported, is looking to come back. What is the latest on Bronny James? Well, right now with Bronny James, we're looking at, of course, uh, coach Andy Enfield has talked about, look, Bronny James, he's doing good, but do not bother me with no more Bronny James stuff. He's like, look, the James family will be taking care of this, putting out the statements. Um, that's not my my place to be talking on that. So the latest thing that, of course, LeBron James has talked about saying that. He is progressing. He's looking a lot better. He's he's advancing. As you see him, he's practicing with the team. Uh, he's going through his normal routine like every other player is going. So he's not being um, limited to warming up and at practices as well. So he's practicing with the team. So the team's getting used to him being involved. Um, so 
I'm kind of wondering how it's really going to look out on the court because the way this team is gelling right now, they kind of have their place. You know, you you know that Boogie can go out there and control the ball, control the tempo. You know that Kobe Johnson is going to be that guy running down the side by you, uh, filling in the lane. And, you know, you, you also got Isaiah Collier who can take over the game at any given time, but maybe turn over the ball more than any other player in college right now as well. But once Bronny comes into this lineup and you look at how he can fit, he's he's a great shooter. He's maybe a better shooter than LeBron was at his age because um, he can literally knock down that three ball so easy um, every time I see him out there. But, you know, seeing the way he can adjust to this team, this this USC team can be very scary come around January. And that's when you start playing Arizona, you start getting UCLA, you start getting a lot of uh, very good competitive teams out there um, after this month. So hopefully, you know, USC does have a very good uh, potential with Bronny James this year. Is this upcoming game USC is going to have against Gonzaga in Las Vegas? I think these are the kind of games where we get to know if this is a contending team. I mean, you, you've been yep. covering this team. How big is this upcoming game against Gonzaga in Las Vegas? I mean, playing against Gonzaga, of course, you, you, Gonzaga is one of the top teams right now. They're uh, nationally ranked 11 in the country right now. You look at their record, they're 4-4-1 four, four and one right now. USC is 4-2. and two. Uh, USC lost two tough, uh, one tough loss. Of course, they didn't have nobody in that game available besides Isaiah Collier. Then you lose that game against um, Oklahoma right at the right at the end by a jump shot. So you know this team could have easily been undefeated right now, six and zero, if they were healthy and they could have finished the last game. But Gonzaga is it's always been a scary team. They've always had a good, talented roster, um, and they always um, recruit the right players to fit their program. You you get a guy like Joey Few. I like that guy, Joey Few, one of their best guards they got out there, and as well uh, Brooks, Collar Brooks. He's also a good guy for Gonzaga. So, you know, that USC defense is going to turn it up a notch uh, once they face uh, Gonzaga. But they're going to have a warm-up game. They're going to have a warm-up game on Wednesday um, at USC uh, against Eastern uh, Eastern Washington. So um, they're going to be able to get their wheels tightened up after losing this tough one um, on Black Friday over in San Diego during the Invitational. Um, but they're really going to be gay. It's going to be a crazy game up in Gonzaga, on, no, up in Vegas on Saturday night. So that's going to be very interesting right there. USC is now a basketball school. Not only is the men's basketball team, you know, uh, potentially a contender, the women's basketball team have, has not been this good since Lisa Leslie was there. They are top six in the country. Juju Watkins may be the best player in the country. Touch on the women of Troy and how they are really, truly contenders this season. No, they truly are. I mean, you, you see how good and talented these young girls are. And, you know, the WNBA, the way the girls' basketball world is is evolving, it, it, it's evolving every single year. You get so many uh, talented players, you know, and I've never really seen an up, an up close girls basketball um now that i started covering the los angeles sparks this past season but watching them up close i'm like man these young girls are just so talented um like like any other player out there you see how this usc basketball team the girls team is built up of course you got elia and you, you also got uh juju who is just amazing i mean juju's breaking every record right now that lisa less uh not lisa less um uh, yeah 
Jesse Wright. Well, we're, we're talking about her, how, how she's, you know, uh, holding most of the records for the past almost uh, three decades or so. And now seeing Juju evolve with that and seeing her being a, a local girl as well. That's another thing. She's a local girl. Uh, she has a good fan base. Um, I, I was watching one of their, their games on television last time and they had a few, uh, they had a good crowd out there. They had a very good crowd out there, good support system. But uh, Juju, Isaiah and, and the girls and the guys basketball teams are going to do some special things uh, this year and as well next season as well. So it, it's a good thing. Like you said, this is maybe now a, a basketball school for now. Uh, but it's going to be an, an interesting way for the way they end up uh, come March Madness. Last 60 seconds, just because you've covered both of these uh, games and teams. Pac-12 championship, last Pac-12 football game before uh, they go away. The Oregon Ducks, Washington Huskies, Fredo, who do you got to win the Pac-12 championship? Woo. I mean, both of those offense, uh, they 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 got the Heisman Trophy win. That's gonna be a Heisman Trophy winner matchup right there. The way you look at those two guys, yeah. you look at Panics and you know, watching those two teams, I can I can assure you that Washington might have the edge on this team. Um, the way Washington looks on both sides of the ball, um, being able to see how they performed um, at home and away. And, you know, Michael Penix, I, I, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a lefty, a great guy. Uh, he can throw the ball out there uh, and he can run the ball as well. So I, I, I can just clearly see Washington maybe take this one. You can say 27 to 24. It's, it might mm. be a close one, but I can clearly see Washington being, the, being on top on this one. Fredo, I agree with you. That was maybe one of the best games of the year when they played b- before Washington won. I think this will be another fantastic game Friday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I do think Washington wins, wins the Pac-12, and goes on to the college football playoff. But Fredo, you're the best. We'll uh, have you back on next week. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Lauren Jones of the Sporting Tribune talking about the Lakers and the Rams and so much more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s from the California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Let's head back out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Arash. It was a great holiday weekend. Happy to be back with you. How are you? I am good. Happy to see you. Happy to see you're doing well. Um, Let's get into it. Let's maybe... 
a lot to get into. So let's start off with the Lakers, only because that was a very tough loss against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, listen, long season. Uh, that being said, I mean, you never want to lose by 44 points, the biggest loss of LeBron James's uh, career point-wise. What have you seen from this team? Again, I think it's also important to note that they have not been 100% healthy. They've been missing right. key players. Uh, but your yes. thoughts on this team so far this season? Yes, I think that you hit the nail on the head in regards to health. You know, obviously the best ability is availability, but there's no excuse, just produce. And so um, with the team that they have, uh, especially going into that game, I know Karen and Reddish was out, and he had been playing very well for the team, as well as really being out. Those two, uh, you know, obviously had an effect, but the 76ers are just a tough team, and um, I think the Lakers have had escapes some very narrow games against some worthy opponents, um, you know, that has uh, troubled or challenged the team at times. I remember earlier in the season, I think it was around game six or seven, that they only had eight players available. Um, and so, uh, you know, we still haven't seen Jared Vanderbilt, um, you know, and I got to catch up with him at an event last week. Uh, and he, you know, he didn't really, he was very vague on his return, but I think that that's going to be, um, you know, a game changer for the Lakers in terms of having depth and ability to kind of uh, gel this team together. You know, he's a great defender. He's known for that. Um, and so I think that that will, change the dynamics. Gabe Vincent has been sidelined for a number of games now as well. And so, uh, you know, we haven't seen the full team at its healthy potential. And so, as you mentioned, this is not, you know, we haven't even gotten to the Christmas Day game yet. And so I think, you know, uh, heading into next year and then looking ahead to towards, you know, the all-star break and things, um, that is when we'll see, you know, I think what this team is made of. And of course, Rob Pol Linka will be looking just as closely as, as any of us um, to make any decisions or, you know, changes that need to be made to the team before that trade deadline. So, um, you know, I think that the Lakers, once they're healthy, will be able to see uh, and get a better picture and sense of how deep this team is and how, you know, um, how deep that they can go. But I, I feel like once you have those courts, uh, the in-season tournament courts, they turn into a different team. So it's a tale <laughs> of two teams. You know, I mean, maybe they just need to wear those – uh, city edition jerseys and and maybe that will be the difference in them being able to pull out some of these games but 44 point loss at any point in any season is just you know a demoralizing uh, loss and so uh, it was pretty hard to watch uh, as a fan uh, but also as, as a person covering the team so Lauren, can you touch on this so not only have they not lost during the, this uh, mid-season tournament they, they've had some blowout wins they've had their best games of the season uh They've they've not really been shy about it yet. I mean, it, it, listen, LeBron doesn't need a half a million dollars, but there's a lot of guys on this team that mm -hmm. would certainly like a half a million dollars, and maybe they have some kind yes. of side pot uh, for the players who are not LeBron and AD. Uh, what have you seen in those games where they really have – and by the way, this is what the league was hoping for. The Lakers have been one of those teams that has turned the switch on and – they're not playing a normal November game. They're, they're, they're treating that like it's a playoff game. What have you seen from the team during those games? 
yeah, I've seen a different level of competition and competitiveness from the team uh, as a whole. I've seen them, like you said, flip a switch where, you know, they're, they, they want to win those 50-50 battles. They want to, uh, you know, they're knocking down threes. I think they shot their best percentage uh, from three uh, in one of those in-season tournament games. You know, that's not customary of what we've seen from the Lakers throughout this season. Um, we've seen them be very inconsistent from three-point uh, some games they'll be on and most games they won't. So um, I think that we've seen it like the vast improvement from that p- perspective rather. But also when you just talk to the, uh, the players after the game, uh, especially some of the younger players, they're like, well, you know, a half a million dollars wouldn't hurt, you know? Um, and so you can tell that there's a, a, within the locker room that they all have this kind of want and desire to win the first in season tournament to be in that championship in Vegas. Uh, and so it's very interesting to see the dynamics, but how that carries over into the you know the rest of the games uh, during the regular season, I'm not sure, but I think that they need to, whatever that, that switch is that they have, they need to be able to carry that competition level in and out of you know the in-season tournament. So, uh, um, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, switching gears really quickly to the Clippers just because I think a lot has been made of what's happening with them. Russell Westbrook got into it with the fan. We have not seen that yet. Well, he's with the Clippers again. Some Clipper fans are saying they're probably right that Laker fans or non-Clipper fans are buying these cheaper tickets, going to the mm-hmm. games, heckling him. They've heckled, you know, Kawhi and Paul George and James Harden. That being said, you cannot lose to a Denver Nuggets team without Nikola Jokic, without Jamal Murray, without Aaron Gordon. And they've been fully healthy. I mean, you know, we've, we've knocked the Clippers before in the past about load management. They have been, uh, which I think is like the biggest part of their struggles. They've been healthy this season. They've, they've struggled to win with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, yes. Harden. They've been healthy. Uh, your thoughts on the Clippers so far? I think I lost you for a second, Rosh. We lost you for a quick second there. I'm so sorry. Uh, your thoughts on the Clippers sorry about so that, far? But yes. Yes. Your your thoughts on the Clippers so far this season? I I think you know, Rosh. It's interesting because as the season started out, I thought that they had probably one of the um, best on paper rosters uh, in terms of just the the team and having seen them over the last few. Um, postseasons, knowing that, you know, had they been healthy, there was one of two stars either missing or both at, you know, 30 points in the, in the postseason. Had one or both of them been healthy, there it could have been a completely different outcome for them. And so heading into this season and knowing that they both were on the mend and actually were able to get fully healthy, it's been really surprising to see uh, them struggle so much. Uh, I, obviously, I thought there was going to be growing pains when they acquired James Harden and got rid of some of their key role players in Robert Covington and one of the Morris twins. But I think, uh, you know, to see them now and to lose in these kinds of games, because they played Denver not too long ago again, and, and it was a closer game, that they made it a game. Um, but to see them, you know, lose at home and just, Knowing the the relationships and the uh, the personalities of a lot of these players and the temperaments of a lot of these players, I'm sure I've seen like the frustration of you know the different stars on the court visibly. You know where even fans can notice like, oh, 
they're getting upset with each other or they're having frustration or Ty Lue's trying to figure out, even at him being one of the best coaches in the NBA, you know, trying to figure out how to manage, you know, the minutes, how to manage the personalities and also how to manage, you know, uh, the rotations and, and who's going to come off the bench and, and things of that nature. But even since um, Russ is uh, elected to come off the bench, you know, I've still seen them struggle. Um, and so it's very interesting. I'm not sure how that th- that's going to play out. Um, we've been giving them grace, like, oh, well, they just need a little time to, yeah. to gel and to get it together. But it still hasn't seemed to really come all together. And so um, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm interested to, to see what your perspective is from, from just watching some of these games as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Russ is coming off the bench. But that being said, the, 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 the chemistry of this team is not there. And I think the most surprising part of that trade for me with the James Harden trade is they spent the entire offseason, the summer, building chemistry amongst the team that they had. They had a players-only retreat camp uh, in Las Vegas. They had a training camp, yes. a preseason game in Hawaii. I mean, they, 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 they really gelled. They were 3-1 and one to start this, this season. And even after the one loss at Utah, they, they got together, players-only meeting. You know, I mean, like... This was a team that really came into the season wanting to, you know, be a top seed. They didn't want to be a, a play-in tournament team. And um, and the biggest issue that I had with the James Harden trade was you totally killed the chemistry of the team. You traded away the glue guys. You traded away Robert Covington yes. and uh, Nicholas Batum and Marcus <laughs> Morris. And it's like, you can say that, you needed mm-hmm. to get a James Harden, but um, those are guys that were a part of the mini camp. They were part of the retreat. They were part of training camp in Hawaii, and now they're gone. And so you kind of have to start from scratch. And in starting from and scratch, last season as well, yeah. And you don't mm-hmm. know. So yes, they they need time. We give them grace to say, okay, new team. The biggest thing is they these the the pieces just may not fit. The pieces just may not fit. So if that's the case, then then you're totally uh, kind of screwed at that point because yes. it's not just a matter of time. We've we've had the time. We've seen how we look with with these pieces, and the sad truth of the matter is it just doesn't fit. So we'll see how it plays out. It just doesn't look great so far. And man, I mean, when you lose to a Nuggets team that that is literally missing all their starters, it, it, that's that's just bad. Uh, so yes. We'll see how they progress. Uh, and even the way yeah. that they lost in that last, you know, the the game before that against yeah. the Nuggets, you know, with the Paul George blemish where, you know, it blew up NBA Twitter. That's um, right. You know, um, it just, it just, those kind of games, you have to come out with like a, a moral victory, if nothing else, you know. And so, uh, like you said, I think that some, there's some times when like, even with dating, you know, it just doesn't fit. As much as you try to move things around or make things happen, it's just it's just not a good fit. So yeah. we'll see how how things go. But it's nice to have two competitive LA teams. I feel well, like, yeah. um, so you know, uh, speaking of that, with this with the Chargers and the Rams, it's that's you right. know, very interesting as well. Those dynamics where you think that there's one team that's going to be far better, you know, on paper and before the season starts, and then they just kind of crumble before your eyes. Well, so, Lord, if, you had, if you had told me that one team would be competitive and one team would not, I would obviously say the Chargers would be the competitive one. 
Whereas the Rams, again, we we talked about this. I mean, we said, you know, do the Rams team yes. this season? Do they go after Caleb Williams? And when you look at how this season has played out, so now let's switch gears and touch on that. Uh, you are uh, mm-hmm. slated to be at SoFi Stadium on Sunday when the Rams play the Cleveland Browns. And if they win that game, Lauren, they are 6-6. Six and six, They're back there firmly in the wild card conversation. A uh, big maybe turning point win at home against Seattle. <laughs> yes. Then they blow out the Cardinals. Your thoughts on the Los Angeles Rams? Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on how they've kind of maybe turned the corner this particular season? I think people, yes, I think after coming out of that bye week is when we really started to see the focus and the, them uh, realizing how much of a playoff push is really feasible and, and their, within their grasp. Um, you know, they're 4-1 against NFC West opponents. That was a huge win, narrow win uh, that I didn't expect to happen against the Seahawks uh, at so far. Um, two weeks ago, and then leading into this Cardinals um, game, I, I expected them to win, but to win in this, the fashion in which they did was, you know, I think a huge uh, boost in morale for them as well. Kyron Williams getting him back after a four game absence and him just having a dominant day. Matthew Stafford, you know, friends and only one interception, even with his thumb that. Um, you know, Sean McVay mentioned, you know, may not be 100% healthy, but he looks a lot better than he did against the Seahawks. You know, yeah. all of those things kind of were really, I think, big, um, big boost for the Rams moving forward. And to see them come out, um, you know, to win two consecutive games, um, you know, one tough one uh, leading up into this Browns game, I think the, the Rams. a really viable uh, opportunity to um and so arash is very interesting because then after that they have the ravens which is going to be a tough game yeah. you know they have the commanders uh which they can easily i would say put away um <laughs> and then the Saints. and so you know that's um those are all games that are are still winnable you know um, and with the health of the team, I think it comes down to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they've lost a couple of starters um, in Quentin Lake, who had been playing very well for them. Um, and he was the, you know, the starting slot defender to a hamstring injury. They, uh, Sean McVay mentioned on Monday that he will likely miss uh, another game against the Browns. Um, but then, you know, I think that there's been so many encouraging things that this uh, Rams team has done out out of the bye week, coming out of the bye week, that um, they really have an opportunity here to capitalize. And I think that they take that seriously. And so uh, Sean McVay also mentioned just how he loves this group of guys because they really do take it week by week. Um, You know, there's some people that say that, but, you know, you can tell that they're looking ahead to some of these other uh, opponents. But it seems like the team, because they're so young and uh, excited, with the exception of, you know, some of the veterans on the team, uh, it's it's really it's really encouraging to see how excited they are to compete every week, and the Browns will be no different. Um, so yeah, switching gears to USC, um, you know we've we've seen some encouraging highlights of Bronny James practicing pregame with his team. Um, he's on the sideline. I think we're you know hopefully nearing his return at some point this season. What have you thought about USC basketball and? Uh, 
Ronnie James potentially coming back. I think it's it's great to see his progression uh, because, you know, with injuries, you never really, especially with these kinds of injuries, you yeah. know, a heart condition and things of that nature, you never really know how uh, a player is going to bounce back or what the timeline is going to be for the return or if they'll ever see the court again. We, you know, what happened with Chris Bosch, he had to lead to early retirement, um, you know, after being diagnosed with a, a condition. So I think it's really great to see uh, him returning and then you know LeBron also commented on it that he's he's getting close and uh, that Bronny is getting close to his return so if we get to see him this season that would be awesome I think um you know USC to start out the season they looked really good um you know there were a couple of iffy losses in my opinion I think it was to Irvine uh you yeah. know in that second game and um you know they've 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 been up and down but I yeah. think uh overall uh, we're going to see uh, with some of these bigger games coming up against Gonzaga and, um, you know, some of the teams that were traditionally just known for being tournament uh, caliber teams, uh, what they're really made of. But um, it's been it's been great to see. And then also on the women's side as well, I know I've, I mentioned and talked about Juju yeah. a lot, but just what she's been able to do, The I think the uh, USC women's basketball team is ranked the highest that they've been in school history on uh, AP rankings and so forth in um, the Pac-12 but just it's just really great to to see that um, and so uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a, a long season I think it would you know just be really dope you know to, to have you know LeBron over in crypto that's right LeBron and crypto it's and then down the street at Galen Center to see to see Bonnie um, last thing before we close out, Juju Watkins, you had talked about her again. The, the one thing that's been consistent with, with USC, she's been the best player. Uh, they are a top six team. Again, their best since Lisa Leslie was on the team. This is their best chance to win a national championship since back in the day, they, they won back to back titles with, uh, Cynthia, with, uh, with, um, like, uh, with, um, with uh, Cooper and Cheryl Miller and Cheryl Miller. And yeah, yeah. I mean, talk mm -hmm. about the, the transcendent talent we may be seeing here with Juju Watkins. Absolutely, Arash. I can just tell you that I knew that this young lady was special when I, I saw her beat up on you know male players that she, she dropped 30 on so to see her doing this you know hitting half court shots and you know and also just just willing her team to victories you know with the five and no start is just really really impressive um i look forward to seeing what she does you know even thinking about the pros and looking ahead so um juju is a transcendent player i think she's going to be class bar none one of the best players that we've seen in this generation terms of women's or men's really yeah i mean it, it it is so amazing watching her play and i and i would highly recommend anyone who um hasn't gone to a game pack pack galen center pack it to watch juju watkins play because you are seeing one of the best players in the country and we are so lucky that usc laura usc is now a basketball school so i will i'm happily embrace that my friend <laughs> we're the best yes uh, we fight, will, on. Uh, fight on we will uh, catch up with you again next week 
That's all the time we have for today. Thank Let's you, do it again Rosh. tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.